Bet podcast, Miles V, my partner in crime. How you doing, buddy? I am Miles. Maybe you've heard of me, David. It's it's great to be back. I've been getting lots and lots of calls and texts and emails about when are we going to be dropping our next podcast. Our fans are just demanding it from us, and here we are. We're back. We are back, and I am so excited about this football season. You are. I've been like a sponge. I've been, I've watched all of quarterback. I'm watching uh, Hard Knocks. I'm all in on the Jets. I'm I've got my TV on NFL Network 24 seven. I am ready. There's so much excitement now. Let's be honest, it's the preseason, which I call hype season. So every team is improved. They're bigger, faster. They've got a, you know, a better room. I love that. You know, the tight end room this year is a lot better. They've drafted well. Every team is going to make a deep run. Of course, you know, it's horse shit for two thirds of the teams, but I love it. I'm all in. I'm super excited about this season. Yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, as, as our listeners may know, and as you know, I just moved to Chicago, Illinois. And yes, it is amazing what this fan base here in Chicago is saying about the Bears. I mean, people are saying they're betting on Justin Fields being the MVP for the season. They think that the Bears are going to be, you know, a playoff contender. And I just don't see it yet. And and, and despite being here, I'm not going to turn into one of those homers that just goes with whatever the locals say. I'm going to try to remain objective. And, I mean, we'll get into it a little later, but I just am not sure that uh, – you know, all this hype is, is going to fulfill. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, everybody showed that first uh, pass to DJ Moore where he threw it like one yard and DJ Moore did the rest. Uh, but I don't think Justin Fields is going to be the MVP this year. Uh, but we got lots of stuff to talk about. So, Miles, what's the, what's the one thing that you're excited about with the 2023 season as we start here? I'll tell you, uh, what I, I'm an underdog guy, and so I'm excited about this year. It seems like there's some teams that traditionally haven't been all that good that are expected to do well. And, you know, some of the bellwethers and the teams that always do well, like the Green Bay Packers or the New England Patriots, they're not so much being discussed. So I I'm excited about teams like Jacksonville or Detroit or the New York Jets who, you know, have had historically long periods without doing anything in the playoffs or even making the playoffs if you're Detroit. This might be the year where they actually show up. I totally agree with you. And it is funny to look at some of the odds and see the Patriots projected to be the worst team in the AFC East. I will tell you that what I'm excited about is seeing that AFC East you know, last year we were talking about the AFC West with Russell Wilson coming into it, and we thought that was going to be a division of, you know, haymakers one after the other. It did not turn out that way. But I am really excited about the AFC East this year. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers joins the Jets. Miami's good. That's going to be a super fun division. I'm looking forward to every game. It's going to be really great football all through the season. You haven't even mentioned the Buffalo Bills, which you know are expected to come back really strong and compete against the Chiefs to, to make the AFC championship. So uh, it's going to be... Uh, 
a fun NFC or AFC East to, to watch. Now, a couple things happened over the uh, offseason this year. There was a lot of talk about running backs, which I think is interesting. And the fact that the position has really, unfortunately, been devalued in terms of long-term contracts. And you've got, you know... Jacobs with the Raiders, he hasn't signed his franchise tag. Jonathan Taylor of the Colts, he's still messing around in and out of camp. You know, Dalvin Cook finally signs with the Jets. Zeke signs with the Patriots. But this is not a good time for running backs. Right, and a lot of one-year deals, too. I think uh, the Chargers running back... uh, Eckler. Eckler just signed a one-year deal. And, you know, when I think about my traditions of playing fantasy football, my strategy had always been... Running back in the first round, running back in the second round, might even do a third running back in the fifth round. That's just not how it is anymore. I mean, it really is a, a wide receiver-centric league, and I hope this is cyclical. I hope that the running backs go back to getting worth their due because, let's face it, some of the best players in the last 10 years have been running backs, and I just don't understand. And maybe this will be the year where like Derrick Henry goes off and kind of proves to everyone hey, we need to focus again on the running backs. But I don't think it's fair. And I think there was a huge conference call that a bunch of people got on to talk about this with the NFL League. Crazy. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think the running backs have a bigger systemic problem, and it's not going to be cyclical unless something fundamental changes. And here's why. Statistically, when you look at running backs, they just have a short shelf life. One knee injury, and they are no longer elite players. So you have these players, primarily young players, who come on the scene for two to three years, really put up great numbers, and then statistically, it is likely they are going to get injured. So when you look at the length of careers for running backs compared to wide receivers who are top level seven, eight, nine years, and quarterbacks who are 10, 11, 12 years long, I think the owners and the teams are just saying we can't give the guaranteed money and the long-term contracts because we're just throwing good money after bad. And I I don't like it because I think it's unfair to high-profile players, but from a business perspective, I understand it. Right, right. Well, and you, you, you see it in every team. You know, it used to be you'd have a featured back and that back would get, you know, almost all the carries. And so many teams have switched to a two-back system where they're splitting carries. And that, that's always been hard in fantasy football to try to find that back or two that's going to dominate and not have to split carries. And then you've seen teams like the Philadelphia Eagles where it's almost like plug in whoever and they're going to be the running back, right? If it's not Miles Sanders, it's going to be Boston Scott. And if it's not him, they'll throw in the next guy and they don't miss a beat. So maybe there is something to be said for that, that, you know, you can plug and play a lot of different running backs, especially during injuries. But I just hate to see it when some of the most iconic players in the NFL history have been running backs and they just don't seem to be getting their due. I mean, to see Zeke move over to the to Patriots was a huge surprise to me. And it also seems like that could be a huge difference maker in, in how that team does this year. Patriots love a two-back system. Belichick, you know, likes to have two guys he can go to. Now they've got Ramondre Stevenson and Z. Could be really interesting. The one thing I do think might be cyclical is offensive styles because we're in a we're in a world right now where offenses are spread wide. There's a lot of three receiver sets, four receiver sets, even five receiver sets. So if defenses learn to really clamp down on that offense, then maybe it moves back towards 
running offenses and things like that. But right now, hard to be sympathetic for somebody who signs a one-year $8.6 million deal. But comparatively to the rest of the league, they are getting you know, devalued a bit. Yeah, well, if you've already had your fantasy football draft, you're probably kicking yourself just because there's been so many last-minute changes that have happened in the last week at the running back position. And I think we're still unclear about certain players, like you mentioned. I don't know if Jonathan Taylor is going to play this year. I think he might have reported to camp. He reported to camp, and then he was absent from camp due to an excused absence. Who knows what that means? Feels like there's still some gamesmanship going on. Yeah, but I've always liked kind of the young running backs who've done well in college that are going to make their mark their first couple of years in the NFL. So I've got my eye on Bijan Robinson. I've got my eye on Zach Charbonneau. Um, and I don't know if I pronounced either of their names right, but I- I'm looking for them to actually make an impact as rookies. Totally agree. I think Bijan Bijan Robinson's going to have a great year. And, you know, Josh Jacobs not being in the lineup for the Raiders really opens the door for Zamir White, who's looked pretty good in preseason. So lots of things going on there. Let's talk Aaron Rodgers for one quick second. Obviously the biggest move. I, I hate talking about Aaron Rodgers. I know. <laughs> You're not president of the fan club. And and I said this to you the other day. I wasn't really either, but I did just love him, you know, in Hard Knocks. And so many players on Hard Knocks commented on the fact that they had an impression of Aaron Rodgers from the outside before he joined the team. And now that he's on that team, uh, that impression has really changed for the better. And I, I just really liked watching the show. It was mind boggling to me, the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson in terms of leadership. It, the, the phrase, a man among boys really jumped out at me. And it's hard to believe that Zach Wilson was the starting quarterback on the Jets for the last two years. He just looks young and unprepared and not really ready yet to take the reins. And maybe Rodgers coming in is going to be the best thing for him. Who knows if, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to push the Jets over the top. But Well, if not him, I mean, the Jets had so many additions this year to their team, you know, in terms of you got the old Green Bay receiving core joining up with Rodgers, with Lazard and with Randall Cobb. You know, you've got Dalvin Cook joining that team. I, the Jets are going to be an exciting team to watch. And it hurts me to say that just because it means more Aaron Rodgers interviews, more Aaron Rodgers at the focus. He's at the focus of everything all the time. I'm surprised he wasn't a wide receiver. He's so obnoxious. <laughs> say what you want about the Jets. They are all in. Nicole Hardman. They've got Garrett Wilson. They are pushing right now to win a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers gave up $35 million of his salary. What do you think about that, Packers fans? No, and all good points. And I think them being on hard knocks has probably converted a large part of America to... No doubt about it. So let's let's remind people a little bit about how Wannabet works because the NFL is in preseason. We are in preseason. So what we're going to talk about today is, and we're going to get to it in a minute, is we're going to talk about some bet MGM lines on expected wins. Uh, then next week, we are going to talk about the AFC. In two weeks, we are going to talk about the NFC and we're going to make our Super Bowl picks. That's going to be on September 1st. And then September 8th is the 
episode right before week one. So we will be making our picks for week one. And if you have listened to the One of Bet podcast, even if you haven't, here's what happens. Miles and I give ourselves $1,000 every week. We must make at least three bets on games that we like. We bet the spreads, we bet over-unders, we bet money lines. Each bet must be at least $100, and we must bet our entire $1,000 every week. Now, we are playing for one unbelievable prize this year. Miles, do you want to tell people what we're playing for, for the big winner at the end of the year? I do, and and we did change our format just a little bit when it comes to prizing because we'll remind our listeners, when we did live in the same city of, uh, of Los Angeles, we had weekly bets going where the loser would you know, often have to take the winner to uh, you know, a restaurant or a round of golf or something that we could do together. Let me fix that for you, where David would often have to take miles to lunch or a round of golf is usually how it worked out. Well, I had an incredible season last year, no question. But now that I'm in Chicago and I'm getting all new information about everything NFC North, and I'm not going to get the same information that we used to get when it comes to you know, the Rams or the Chargers or whatnot, um, we'll see if I can, can continue. But this year, our prize is going to be at the end of the season tally, the loser will have to buy playoff tickets to the game of the winner's choice. Unbelievable. I, I can't I can't wait to go to a Chargers uh, playoff game with you. I was going to say, <laughs> if, if, you, if you win, you know, I'm probably flying back out there and we're going to see the Chargers play. And if I win... Uh, we're going to have to find someplace out here in the Midwest to watch a game. Is it going to be Detroit? Is it going to be Cincinnati? Is it going to be who knows where it could be? Because it ain't going to be here in Chicago. I hate to break it to you. Uh, all good options. I'm excited about this bet. We're going to be talking about it all year long. Uh, and then one final thing. So on September 15th, which is the uh, week between uh, game weeks one and two, that's the first real one bet podcast where we spend the first part of the podcast looking back. At the picks we made last week, we tally the winner, then we wipe the slate clean and we look ahead and we make picks for the upcoming week. So we're going to get into it. We got tons of football to talk about. Lots going on. So let's let's get into the bet MGM expected win totals because that's what we're going to talk about today. All of our lines we take from the bet MGM app from bet MGM and they have given uh, expected win totals for every team. And what we're going to do right now is for uh, the overs and the unders, we're each going to pick a team that we think is going to go over the BetMGM expected win total, and we're each picking a team that we think is going to go under the BetMGM expected win total. And I don't, I wouldn't say that I've overprepared, but I actually have multiple teams that I'm interested in. So I'm going to actually discuss more than one when it gets to, to my turn. I hope you don't mind. Not at all. And let me say this. I mean... Look, last year uh, was an unprecedented year for me in terms of picks. And this isn't about bragging about how well I did and that I you know, had a, a great winning record, but it, it's more of a revelation that I had. And it's I think I did so well because I was so focused and limited in the number of things that I chose. So looking at you know three games a week, much easier to win three than it is to win four, much easier to win than it is to pick you know, all the games of the week. And what I've learned since moving to Chicago or Illinois where sports betting is legal 
you know, you've got all these options available to you and you just want to have action on the games, but you've got to be selective on what it is you pick. So I much, you know, be, I probably be better served only looking at one over total and one under total, but I am going to discuss a few and, and, and leave it for our, our viewers and our listeners to kind of understand and decide whether or not that's going to be a, a bet they'd like to make. Just so our listeners know that you're not blowing smoke, why don't you remind them how well you did last year? Thank you. Um, so last year, there were 18 regular season weeks, and I cashed in 15 out of those 18 weeks, which was very surprising to me. Uh, four of the weeks, I went perfect. And overall, my record was 35 wins, 20 losses, and two pushes. And so if you bet $1,000 a week like we did and you tracked my bets, you would have been up a little over $4,000 for the season, which uh, is a pretty decent return on your investment. And if I you know, repeated something like this for this season, uh, I would absolutely be shocked because I think I was just skiing way above my my heels or skiing over my hills or playing above my pay grade or you insert whatever metaphor you want there. Punching above your skis, doing something. You, you did it well. I was feeding the geese. $4,000 people. Miles was up $4,000 last year. He is not messing around. He developed a strategy. I'm sure he's going to uh, expound on that this year and keep keep using it. We'll talk about it. Uh, he's got some very specific rules, but he knows what he's doing. And I'm just here, you know, uh, as the straight man to come in a solid second and, uh, you know, pat him on the back. Well, this could be your year. And now that we're in different areas, you might have some advantages that I don't have. But I'm not drinking the Bears Kool-Aid, at least not yet. And I am not drinking the Chargers Kool-Aid. At least not yet. That's bullshit. <laughs> you are the biggest homer in the history of podcasts. Anyway. I, 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 am, I am tempering my homer tendencies this year, I promise. So let's, let's get into it a little bit. Um, I'm going to start here, and I'm going to start with the team that I am projecting to go over the bet MGM prediction. And when we've talked about all of the bets that we're going to be, you know, referencing over the next few weeks and lines and everything like that, this bet right here is my absolute favorite bet that I am making right now. And that is with a projection over nine and a half wins, I am picking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, let me say this clearly so the people at the back of the podcast room can hear this. No team has an easier road to the playoffs than the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I say this for a couple of reasons. First, let's look at the team itself. I I'm really high on this team. They ended 2022 winning six of their last seven games. They hosted a home playoff game against my Chargers. We're not going to talk about that game because it makes me break into hives. But they did clearly end the season on a high note. They have a really good roster that just got better. This year, they add Calvin Ridley. Uh, he has been uh, on the sidelines serving out his betting suspension. Trevor Lawrence is an absolute stud. Travis Etienne had over 1,000 yards rushing. 
They've got Christian Kirk. They've got Evan Ingram. This is a good team. My only slight quibble is that they were 24th in defense last year. Their first three draft picks were offense. I'm not sure why they didn't go a little bit more defense, but I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass because not only are the Jacksonville Jaguars a good team, but they play in a crappy division, one of the worst. So they get to play six games against Tennessee, Houston, and Indianapolis. Houston and Indianapolis without a doubt, are two of the worst teams in in the NFL. Both of them not only have brand new quarterbacks, but they have brand new head coaches. So it's just going to take those teams a while under the best of circumstances to start, you know, marching in the same direction. If you look at the Titans, Ryan Tannehill is playing in his age 35 year. He might not even be the quarterback of the Titans by the end of the year. It could be, you know, Malik Willis or Will Levis. Derrick Henry, we talked about running backs. He's turning 30 this year. He is probably towards the end of his career. This is a team headed AFC South. But wait, wait, there's more, you say. The AFC South, they got a gift from the scheduling gods, or Jacksonville did, that they play the NFC South in the interdivisional games, which means that Jacksonville gets four games against Tampa Bay, Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta. If you remember, all four of those teams had losing records last year. Tampa Bay won the division at 8-9, and nine, and that's when they had Tom Brady at quarterback. Now they have Baker Mayfield battling Kyle Trask for quarterback. Not exactly Hall of Fame material. So right there, that's 10 games right there that Jacksonville has against marginal competition. Now, if you looked at the schedule, they do play Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. They are the three best teams in the AFC. All three of those games are in Jacksonville. And I think they're going to steal one of them. So, you know, good team. Help from the scheduling gods. Jacksonville goes over nine and a half. Easily put it in the bank. So I've never liked to watch Jacksonville as a franchise, as an organization. They've never been exciting to me. Um, I just feel like... uh, I don't know. They're one of those teams like in the Major League Baseball that just is there every year, but but there's nothing really to write home about, like the Oakland A's or uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't know. They're just not sexy. But you make a very compelling argument, and the, the AFC South, is that what they are, the South? Yeah. The AFC South is so weak that I think you're right. They're guaranteed at least five of those six wins. I think they beat the Colts uh, twice. Um, I think maybe at best they split with Tennessee. And Houston twice. There's five wins, right? Mm -hmm. That's five right off the bat. So um, I agree with you there. And we were talking about young running backs, and Travis Etienne was another example of a guy who, you know, came into the league last year and performed immediately, and I'm expecting a lot out of him this year. So I do like that. I do like the addition of Calvin Ridley, in part because he's a sports better. But um, <laughs> he's one of us. <laughs> but no, I I um I think it's a fine bet. It's not one that uh, that I wanted to make only because I just don't know a lot about Jacksonville, and I've always found them hard to root for. But I think this year, like I mentioned at the beginning. I'm all about the underdogs, and it'd be nice to see them in the playoffs again. I think what you're, I think what you're saying about them being kind of this milk toasty team was true, but I think they've turned the corner. I think the second half of last season they really found an identity there on the rise. 
and for what it's worth, a couple of my runner-up picks were the Jets over plus nine and a half, and then Minnesota over plus eight and a half. Minnesota's not going to be a great team. I don't love them this year, but they won 13 games last year. Eight and a half is too low. So that's my over pick. Miles, what do you love? So this year, I love the Seattle Seahawks. And right now, they're being predicted the over-under is at eight and a half. And I really like the over on this one. Now, last year, part of the reason I did so well in betting was was often taking the Seattle Seahawks. And they've they've gotten better. Okay, They've added what I think is one of the best receivers in the league, uh, Jackson Smith-Nigba, who was uh, out of Ohio State and had put up awesome numbers. Um, they got Zach Charbonneau. He was the running back out of UCLA. You, you add him to the mix of the rest of the team, and all we need is just Geno Smith to repeat what he did last year. Now, when I look at their schedule, you know, much like the AFC South, you know, the NFC West is pretty weak. You've got the Rams, who I think got worse. You've got Arizona, who's really poor. All you've got is, you know, the 49ers to contend with. And also, you know, they got games against Carolina. They've got they've got games against Tennessee. Uh, you know, I count eight easy wins and about four toss-ups. And so they really just need to win one game against either Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Detroit, or Tennessee. I mean, just one of those and they're going to hit their nine. Last year they had nine wins. I think to go over, you know, eight and a half is basically to repeat last year. I like them. That's who who I'm really high on right now preseason and who I think is going to, you know, contend in the playoffs. Yeah, Charbonnet at running back and Najigba or Smith Najigba at wide receiver, two significant rookies who are going to get a lot of playing time. Why is it so hard for me to be all in on Geno Smith? Miles, I just I, I I look at the numbers from last year and why do I think it's an anomaly and not his future? I, I don't know. There there was a week last year where we talked about how the older quarterbacks all of a sudden were just kind of losing it. And there was a week where like Matt Ryan looked like crap and Carson Wentz didn't look good. And I think even Aaron Rodgers didn't look good. Geno Smith, you know, it might be the same thing. Um you know, where Brady didn't look good. I don't know. But there's enough offensive weapons with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And and now, you know, I think you can put in, you know, whoever their backup's going to be, whether it's Drew Locke or, or, or otherwise. And I think they're still going to, you know, be a solid offensive team. Yeah. Um, and I think you're absolutely right about the division. Two teams they should beat up on in the Rams and the Cardinals, definitely. 49ers are going to be tough. We'll talk about them at some point. Uh, strong defense, obviously. It's got some questions on offense. But, yeah, solid pick for you with Seattle. Is there another team you want to talk about? Well, there is, and you're going to laugh because it's your favorite team, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers. I, I, you homer. <laughs> I love it. I pulled you over to the dark side. No, what? This is an objective full-on view that I think that they had 10 wins last year and I think they got better and they're only expected at nine and a half. And I mean, they had 10 wins last year, despite some really horrible losses that they can't continue to lose all of those close games. Can they? 
Oh, they can. Uh, they absolutely can. They've been doing it for 30 years. Well, isn't there some new term that's like in the dictionary or something that you were telling me about? On ESPN.com today is an article about how the word chargering has now become a verb for epic collapses, certainly jumping off of the playoff loss last year, but, you know, just tapping into a history of bad losses and spectacular losses. Uh, so if, if you now say you are chargering uh, in your in your team in your game, it now means something outside of just the Chargers, which I'm so proud. I'm so proud as a Charger fan. Well, the good news is they get to play teams like the Raiders and the Bears and Green Bay and Denver. So I I don't think it's going to be a big uh, order to to get over nine and a half games. So uh, that's another one that I'd look at is the Chargers. I hope you're right, man. I really hope you're right. So those are our overpicks, and now let's turn our attention to teams we think are not going to do as well as BetMGM has predicted. So for my underpick, I am going to stay in the AFC, and I am going under 10.5 wins for, drumroll, the Baltimore Ravens. Now this is a very different pick than how I picked Jacksonville on the over. A lot of people are really high on the Ravens, and, and I get it. This team is stacked with good players. They were actually a top five team last year in both rushing offense and rushing defense. So why am I picking them? When, when I look at rosters and skill players and teams, I, I'm just hard-pressed to find a team that I have more questions about than the roster for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson. Obviously a great quarterback, missed the last five games last year with a knee injury. Is he fully back? I don't know. J.K. Dobbins, great running back, also coming off of a knee injury. He only ran for 522 yards last year. They've got Melvin Gordon. When was the last time he was any good? Rashad Bateman, 285 receiving yards last year before he went out with a foot injury. OBJ. Completely inactive last season. OBJ hasn't had a 1,000-yard season since 2019. They have Nelson Aguilar playing for his fourth team in five years. Now, they did draft Zay Jones, a great pickup from Boston College, had over 1,000 yards receiving. That's going to help. They've got Mark Andrews. Again, I'm not saying that they don't have good players, and I won't be surprised if they have a good season. i just going to think it's going to take them a while to get up to speed. They did have some problems already in training camp. They lost their stud cornerback, Marlon Humphrey, to a foot injury. He's had you know foot surgery. He's going to be out for a while. And we talked about it just a minute ago. This is a brutal division. So in terms of expected wins, BetMGM predicts the AFC North to win 40 games. That is tied for the most amount of wins. They're playing Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Cleveland, I think, could be a really interesting dark horse team with Deshaun Watson coming back. Who knows? They're just going to get hammered every week. And I think they finish at 9-8 and eight and don't hit uh, you know, the 10.5 wins. 
I can't believe you're going to go against a team that has 24 straight preseason wins. <laughs> As we all know, preseason wins and losses is a direct correlation to how a team is going to do in the regular season. <laughs> I think I think it's almost like a dubious honor. It's like winning the par three at the Masters, you know, the, the day before the Masters tournament. You don't want to win that one because I think traditionally that person ends up missing the gut or whatnot. But um, you know, OBJ is really a huge question mark to me. I, I don't even know if he'll last the entire season. I just don't know that he can control himself, right? He just gets in his own way. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I know that I was reading an article about how he basically was worth $200 million that he wasn't able to collect based on his own antics. And he's a little bit frustrated with not having all that money. So maybe he has to be on good behavior, but like so many outspoken wide receivers like Ocho Cinco, Terrell Owens, or whatnot, I, I throw OBJ in the Antonio same. Brown. Yeah. Just uh, would be very surprised if he was able to be the, the magic that, that uh, Baltimore's looking for. We shall see. A couple runner-ups for me in this uh, department. I've got Denver under 8.5 and, and the Eagles under 11.5 or a couple other teams that I looked at. Well, your Eagles at under 11.5 was my pick for the under. Uh, I feel like 11.5 is way, way inflated. And look, I've always been an Eagles fan. You know that I picked them last year to make the Super Bowl, which they did. But, you know, traditionally, I feel like one out of the two Super Bowl teams, when they come back the next year, don't do nearly as well as they've done in the past. Uh, you know, I think the Rams are a great example of that. Uh, and this year, I think it's going to be the Eagles. Um, they play, you know, non-conference, the Jets, Miami, KC, Buffalo. Um, you know, they play Dallas in conference twice, San Francisco, Seattle. I just think the schedule is way too tough for them to get over 11 and a half. And I think this one's easy money. So I think Philadelphia is definitely the, the underpick. Yeah, not uh, good luck for the NFC that they've got. To, I'm sorry, not good luck for the NFC East that they have to play the AFC East teams this year. One thing you did not mention about Philadelphia, and I agree with you, by the way, and it's one of the reasons they were on my list, is the Eagles lost both of their coordinators to head coaching jobs. So Shane Steichen is now the head coach of the Colts. Jonathan Gannon is now the head coach of the Cardinals. So you've got two new coordinators coming in, new systems. Again, always takes a while to get people locked into new systems up to speed. I think that is a little bit of a hidden knock against the Eagles, and it's going to take some time for them to recover. And I'm with you that under 11 and a half is definitely possible. Yeah, and David, there are two other teams where I'm looking at the unders, which I don't know that you'd agree with because you mentioned that uh, you thought that you might be surprised at how they're, how they're going to do this year. Uh, Cleveland at nine and a half. I, I realize Deshaun Watson is the X factor, but I don't think they improve that much during this off season. And they play teams like San Francisco, Seattle, the jets, they play Jacksonville. I think that nine and a half games for Cleveland uh, where last year they only won seven. I think that's a big jump. So I don't expect them to hit nine and a half. And as for the Texans last year, they won three games uh, this year. You got the over under set at six and a half and I'm going under because I don't think that they can win seven games. 
Yes, they play Arizona. They play Denver. They play Carolina. That's their three wins. Uh, I don't see another four on their schedule. Yeah, let me explain myself on Cleveland. My take on Cleveland is I just have no idea how they're going to be because I have no idea how Deshaun Watson is going to be. If he returns to his elite stellar form, they could be good, but they could be an absolute dumpster fire. It's all kind of based on one player who wasn't great last year coming off of obviously a rocky personal situation. He was off the field for a long time. I just don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting at the quarterback position. When you look at who was a huge surprise last year at quarterback, I think everyone would overwhelmingly say Brock Purdy when he filled in for the San Francisco 49ers was way above what everyone thought he would be. And he brought the Niners a lot more victories than anyone thought. And here is a guy, you know, I think he was the the last pick in the draft and he, you know, was a average quarterback for an average uh, Iowa State team in college. You know, Houston's going with C.J. Stroud, who there's a lot of hype around him coming out of Ohio State, but I just don't know that he's going to come in. I don't think he has the offensive weapons to make uh, such an impact that, you know, where last year they had three games won, that he can actually be a difference maker of, of four additional games. So I don't know. That's preliminarily, that's kind of where my head's at. And uh, I will probably make all of those bets uh, official. Uh, in the next couple of weeks. Good for you. Yeah, Stroud did not look good in his first preseason game. You know who did look good was the Browns' backup quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the draft pick from UCLA. He's had two games because they had the uh, Hall of Fame game and played well in both of those games. So nice little pickup for them. Well, there you go. So we've made some overpicks. We've made some underpicks. We've set the table for a great season coming up. Miles, I'm looking forward to doing this every week. Remember. Oh, loyal listeners, that we will be dropping podcast episodes every Friday. We won't be betting the Thursday night games. We want to get as much information going into the weekend. So we will be dropping podcasts every Friday. Let's talk about Twitter or whatever. It's X now. I mean, we we still have our handle and we still, it's still called tweeting, isn't it? We still tweet, right? Or do we X? X. I have an ex since college, and that was a horrible experiment. All I need some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Yeah, we're still going to go ahead. You can still find us on what used to be Twitter, the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, Bet Podcast. Um, and I want to hear from our listeners. I want to know what our listeners think about the over-unders. And, uh, you know, we need our loyal fans like Donnie Wheels and Bill Kuklanis and RJ and Dave Siegel. Just go ahead and start tweeting at us and, uh, and we'll be able to mention who you guys like this year as well. Yeah. The fun thing about this podcast is that we'll be publishing our picks. You can play along with us. You can measure your success against ours, or in my case, you can measure your success against my failures. Well, regardless, it's going to be a fun season of our podcast. I'm very happy that we were renewed for season two. Hopefully we'll continue to do this and bring you all the enjoyment that uh, we get out of the NFL. I think we're going to be exclusively NFL. Am I right, David? We are exclusively NFL right now. It is the sport that just works the best for our format. We love it. We're hyped for it. All NFL, all the time. And that's going to do it for week one. We will see you next week where we talk AFC. Lots of stuff. We'll get into all the division lines set by at MGM. We'll tell you who we like and who we don't. 
And it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't tell you that I love your body, Larry. Peace out, everybody. Take care. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric acid.